like in college, I made a 100 in my, I think it was like my third calculus you class or you, something. You hear her <laughs> saying she can't add or subtract, right? <laughs> but I don't know how to take this. It's because so I don't use it anymore. I feel the like public in, schooling system has failed you. I feel like in order to be good at math, you have to use it a lot. <laughs> and I don't really use it all that much. Did you just not work <laughs> on your math facts? Is that what it was? No, I'm really good at my math facts. Really? Mm -hmm. nine, nine times seven. Nine times seven is 63. Okay, that's pretty good. And that's really good, yeah. right? Do you know your math facts? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm Josh Sigmund. And I'm Bryn Rouse. I'm a mortgage guy with a passion for helping people with their money. In all things business, Bryn is my co-host. And I'm a marketing girl. I am literally obsessed with it. Oh, and Josh has showed me how to save money. Quite a bit, actually. Because of her obsession, I hired her to do my marketing. And we've worked together for 10 years. We launched Sigmund Sense in 2020, a podcast about money. It's a podcast that teach people how to save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. And we recorded and published 34 episodes. People liked it, and it was so fun. But most importantly, we helped people. So we're excited to announce we're doing a second season. And we're mixing things up. We're moving away from money talks to focus on all things business, leadership, management, team building, book reviews, hiring, firing, operations, motivating teams, lead generation, time management, personality profiling, closing skills, and of course money and marketing. We are inviting you to continue this journey with us and we want your input. What topics would you like to see covered? Email all of your ideas to our podcast email address, sigmundsense at gmail.com. And be sure to click that subscribe button when you visit our channels. You'll get notified when we drop new episodes. Are you ready? Season two, getting down to business. Welcome to Sigmund Sense. All right, you ready? Exactly. Sigmund Sense, here we go. <laughs> okay. So we're going to carry on our conversation about things you should think about and consider before you open up a company. Yes, because it's and, not all about how great of an idea it is. That's right. So where we left off in the last episode, if you missed it, was there were lots of amazing ideas. I, I think that one of the the bedrocks of Americans is the idea that we are entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. We have this spirit about us. Uh, I hope we don't lose that in the next hundred years because that's really what put us on the map. Yeah. It's this belief system, this opportunity, this optimism. And uh, the unfettered optimism can be a, a plus. It can also be a curse. Mm -hmm. And so we spoke last time about the idea of some people just go hard charging. Let's figure it out. Right. And that can be a mistake. And then there's other people that I've got this great idea and I don't know what the hell to do with well, it. And they do? don't they, they nonstop also nonstart also. So yes. uh, in the last episode we covered, make sure you do your proper research. Make mm -hmm. sure that you work on your target marketing. Make sure that you've got a clear purpose and vision and strategy for mm -hmm. what you're trying to accomplish as a business. And then for God's sake, take the time, energy and money to use your own counsel, your own attorneys, your yes. own CPA to help you form the company correctly up front with the people that you trust that are not interested in the company. That is huge, 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 because my guess is that it is the exact opposite. Most of the time. You get an idea, then you start recruiting others to be a part of it with you. Some of those turn into investors and true partnerships, and then you go seek counsel on how to set it all up. Yep. Yep. Get it done the right way the first yes. time. So let me give you an example. And, and uh, I've got, um, so I was just, uh, what's the best word? 
last week I had a friend of mine uh, come to me with a pitch for a bar. Okay. And I've been through this before and I yes. understand it and I understand the pitfalls and I understand the, the opportunity as well. Mm -hmm. And I actually believe in this person. I believe in this product. I believe in this idea. I believe which in the location. Is, which is one thing we talked right. about in the episode about uh, all the things that you've lost money on that episode. Oh yeah. um, and it starts with most of the time truly believing in the person yeah. first and foremost is what you said. Like Optimist, yeah. believe in this person outside of anything. And then if you can get excited about the idea and, uh, and other things, it's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Like I, I, I do believe in people. Uh, so I do in this case and it's like, and I also want to help and I think I can help. And, um, the nonstop that came up was not my bookkeeper in no general partnership. Mm. Like, and so I was for you, not you yeah. can't use your bookkeeper. I want like, okay, so let's talk about bars. So you were a bartender. Did I you was. ever give out a free drink? I did. Did you ever comp a meal? Yep. Okay. So the silent money partner mm -hmm. was stolen from. Yep. Right. And that doesn't, that's not a negative on you. It's not a negative on the, it's the industry. It's a norm. It is. And, and so, you know, and so that all I into care. Comp tabs right. And like absolutely. who's monitoring the comp tabs. Right. So what I don't want to have is a person that is uh, able to do what they want, unmitigated, unregulated, uncontrolled, and also use their bookkeeper. Mm. Make yeah. sense? Yeah. So absolutely. all I would want is, in this case, a second set of eyes. Second so set of eyes that so are my eyes, my people, my people watching the money. Yeah. And if they tell me it's good, it's good. If they tell me it's bad, it's bad. But what good is that if there's not voting authority? Yeah. Because I'm just an investor. So let me ask you this. And so in the last episode, we ended with, you know, your uh, if it's your idea and then you go and look for investors, get your shit set up with, you know, your attorney, your CPA or whatever. So how do you handle that when you then go to an investor and that is a stopping point, that they want their own people? Yep. Uh, so it depends on what side of the equation you're on. If you're the money person, uh, he with the gold makes the rules. Okay. Right? If you are asking, you might have to make concessions if there's no other options. Or uh, what about finding a third party? Like, it's that. not your guy, it's I not his that guy. because it's number five. <gasps> See, you're, so, you're on the right path. So I we're am. sinking. That's why we got to keep drinking. I mean. Oh, I even said that. We're sinking and I drinking. I want you to, like, hashtag that. Sinking <laughs> and drinking. <laughs> we're sinking and drinking. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So that is a new hashtag. So let's talk about this, okay? So the next critical step, the next critical step is you got to understand the finances of the business. Got to understand the finances of the business. Yeah. Um, so what does that mean? Okay. There's going to be startup costs. Mm -hmm. How expensive are they? There's going to be carrying costs. How much does it cost in survival? No, no different than a personal family budget right. to keep this freaking operation running right. without going bankrupt. So do I have enough money to last six months? If I think it'd be profitable in five months, you better have 12 because you know, the, 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 the principle yeah. is, is that, you know, um, whatever can go wrong is going to go wrong. Go wrong. So it's not going to be like... There are business longer. owners that opened bars January of 2020. There were. There yeah, and there of were course. Some, and there were some people that had a mountain of cash behind them to mm -hmm. last 2021. And there were a few small restaurants and bar owners 
that opened their company with three months reserves. Uh, and COVID happened, and they're out of business. It is what it is, right? right? So, um, and we talked about this too in uh, season one with um, if it's a startup and you ask to see like what your projections are, what your plans are, they are literally just speculation. Yeah. It's a startup. There is no, uh, you can absolutely make educated guesses and put your marketing plan behind it. And based on if we do this, then we should see about this. But there is no proven yeah. track record. So you have for a startup, that's for true. For a startup. Yep. So you have to really err on the side of caution. Yeah, it's, it's very it's it's very, very like best laid plans. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You could have the best widget, gidget, gadget of all time. And if you don't have enough money to get it off the springboard to a yeah. profitable status, it's never gonna be never worth gonna be anything. Yeah. It's never gonna get anywhere. Yeah. So when I say like understanding finances, um, think staying power. Okay. Think staying power. So, okay, I've got to come up with X, which means I'm probably have to give up some ownership if I don't have the money, mm-hmm. give up some ownership for some financiers to come in and mm-hmm. give me the money to start it up. That's not enough. A lot of people short themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need only $300,000 of equipment. So I raised 300,000. Well, that's great. But do you have any employees at all? Would you like a salary that you're right. like you don't have a salary because you're working on this every day of your life? Mm-hmm. Um, what's that salary look like? What's the overhead? What's the expenses? What's the taxes? What's all those things, right? So it's not just a startup. It's how many months are set aside to get this off the ground. This is where going back to step one from last episode of research and step two of understanding the industry. There are for sure metrics of successful businesses in your space. Oh, okay, yeah. There for okay. sure are if you yeah. just refinance or uh, refinance. <laughs> That's the mortgage brain. If you just research it, right? Yeah. So, for example, it's a great point. Going back to the bar owner that approached me last week that I'm considering and gave me a pitch. Here's what's different. He actually approached me six years ago, five years ago, hmm. actually four and a half years ago to open the first one. Well, that one's still around. Okay. Okay. Um, so is the second one safer i would think so you think so here's why because i can literally go back and look at the books which i've requested and reviewed to see what year one looked like what year two looked like what year over year looked like what covid looked like what the cash reserves looked like uh city or same city uh regional same region same region so the whole point is that when i looked at it it's like you know what there's a track record, right. albeit not profitable, not profitable, not profitable. Crushed it. Interesting enough during COVID. Crushed it. And very interesting. Right? In a subpar location compared to a prime location. In a unproven name compared to a now, now a, a four-year name. Eight, y- eight miles apart, by the way. Um, in a... Uh, Un or a guest expenses finish out and concept versus a proven concept. Mm-hmm. So you can see how this is an example of, re- you know, in my case, I just researched the last one that they did. Right. But there are other bars with similar concepts, most likely. There right. are other widgets with similar, similar concepts somewhere. So finding those and researching those are really helpful. But So why, is, let me ask you this, and I know we talked about mm-hmm. this um, also in season one, but... Um, 
what is the need for an investor at this point? The specific instance? Yeah, or, or in any so instance. Like they uh, so they're profit not making enough money right, so to then. So great question. And I don't want to speak to this specific Yeah, it doesn't, have to be to, it doesn't have to be to this one. Just in general, right. like, you know. So, and this is, I'm being very clear, this is not this specific instance. So right. if anyone draws the dots, it's not specific. Yeah. Okay. Um, the answer is, is the same reason why there are people that have a $500,000 salary that have no money in the bank. Okay. So they have plenty of income, but they spend it all, right? Yeah. So just because you're making money does not mean you're keeping money. Keeping and money. the upfront investment to get most companies off the ground is typically substantial. Mm -hmm. So the question being, why would there be a need? It's not because it's not profitable. It's because it's not been profitable long enough to save enough. Okay. And so what is the difference in going to you or any other uh, private money investor versus a bank? Um, great question. So let's keep diving into this because okay. this is all about understanding the finances, right? So specific to banking, um, most banks, so so I, I, I'm giving general statements because there are Small yeah. business loans, SBA loans, there are private investor loans, there are venture capital loans, there are lots of ways to finance businesses, okay? Which I don't want to dive into them all too deep because then it confuses people. But the a typical bank loan needs a proven concept, a proven commodity, or a strong balance sheet of an individual. And a, oh, of the individual. Yeah, well, like... Does that mean what like is a bar finances? if a bar owner or a golf uh, like a driving range owner or a uh, a widget maker if they rent the space pay for product out of cash flow mm -hmm. or an S corp so they literally have to take literally every dollar out of profit at the end of every year so there's no cash left in the business account at the end of the year then is it a secured asset or is it an unsecured asset? Secured means I can go get your money that I can see in that bank and I can attach a lien against your house. Okay. Like a mortgage is a secured loan. So why are rates so fucking low? It's because I'll take your house. Right. Right? Okay. Like if you don't pay it, no problem. We'll take your house take and sell house. it and get the loan back. Right? Okay. If uh, you get a line of credit against, a against your retirement account, right. no problem. You we'll don't want to pay it? I'll just sell your stocks. Sell your stocks. Yeah. So low risk, low reward to the lender. Okay. Low reward is lower rates. So everyone wants to go get a bank loan or an SBA loan, which is ideal. But if there's no individual balance sheet or business balance sheet that or is... Or a plan. Don't you have to have a... Separate of the oh plan. Separate. Well, if there's okay. no individual balance sheet or business balance sheet that has actual assets that the bank can take, the bank says, fuck off, gotcha. right? So, so then in some cases, it's easier. Well, so then you go to the second step, right? So you got bank loan option uh, ideal, right? Mm -hmm. Or li personal line credit ideal. Then you go to uh, a in, an individual investor. Right. You find a money guy. Well, mm. what's the average return on the stock market in S&P 500 for the last 30 years? 8%. 9%. I think it's 8.9% literally. 
off the top of my head, 8.9. So I would never invest in something that's a gamble for less to than. hit the average of a of 500 companies that are proven commodities. All right, all right. So if it's not going to be 9%, I'm charging you 12, 15, 20. So oh. that's less than ideal, but okay. why the hell would I do it for less than that? Why would you, okay, so if you loan somebody money to start a business, you're charging them interest? Of course. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I thought if you were just waiting on your profit share to did, come in. Th- th- so again, going back to a, a financial investor, you can invest and ask for interest, like being a private money lender. Okay. Or you can invest as a partner, waiting for profits. So the second option first. I'm referring to is a private money investor. Okay. Gotcha. So an example is is that I bought some property to help develop um, the bird dogs that found the property did not have the ability to stroke a check, mm-hmm. but the value of that property was fivefold because of who they were selling it to. But to get from here to there, they didn't have the money to stroke the check. They didn't have the financial backing. Um, so I wrote a check and I charged twenty percent. Okay. Gotcha. And if I can get 20% securitized against land, yeah, yeah. why wouldn't I do that? Uh-huh. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, especially land that I know is worth what they bought it for in the first place. Sure. So if you don't want to pay it, awesome. I'll take the land. It's I'll worth it. And, I'll, it. and I'll do it. Right? Okay. So private money investors is what that's talking about. And guys, uh, I'm not big into, and I, I really do say this from my, the bottom of my heart, like there is a, a point where it's what's called predatory lending, mm. right? Yeah. So I I personally don't believe in and have stopped doing like hard money loans. I've stopped. I do, like As a younger man, I did pr- uh, hard money loans because I understood the need and I could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do those anymore because what I recognize is is that the people that need mm. a hard money loan are, un- are unlikely most of the time to be able to get out from underneath it, right? right. So... I never once, and I, the only thing I'm proud of there is I never once foreclosed ever. I always that's worked good. it out, right? Yeah. Um, but that's what, that, so there's there's a opportunity versus being opportunistic. And I, I think there's, love a, that. I think there's yes. a big difference, right? So in this case I just did with this development, I know the guys that are doing this with me are going to make like $7 million. Okay. Like the 20% will be hair off the top. Right. It is not the squeeze. It's just a little bit of fluff. Right. Yeah. It's like the froth. Right. Yeah. So um, but that's what I mean by having a private money lender. Okay. Okay. So then you go into an investor and an investor is believes in the business, believes in the opportunity. Uh, and if it's a private investor, they're going to stake their own money. They might have to stake it to get the loan to be able to finance it or whatever. But they're going to get a percentage ownership of the company. Okay? Like, why wouldn't they do that? Like, if I'm not going to get interest, if I'm not going to get a monthly return on my money, then why would I invest your company unless I'm investing in the long-term payoff because I believe in what you're selling me. Because I believe it. You're pitching me. And I'm saying, you know what? That is the damn best widget of all time. Yeah. I think this widget that we're, we can build for two bucks, I can sell for 50 bucks in, bl- yeah. if in about two years. So let's build the freaking widget. Got right? it. Okay. So All it's right. worth waiting two years because I'm going to get a huge return as are my partners. Right. Sure. So very much a win-win if structured appropriately okay. with the right attorneys. Right? And so when in this scenario w- are the 
terms or the time frame of when you will see your money back established? 100% negotiable. Okay. Which is weird to think about. Yeah. Like how long are you willing to wait to start seeing a profit? Yeah. Well, well, think about this, okay? And this is a little asterisk for people that understand taxes more. So um, long term, so this I'm, I'm recording this right now in the summer of 2021. So last year, 2020, the capital gains, long-term capital gains rate was 25%, okay? Uh, not a big deal. If you are in a tax bracket that's higher than that, so if your tax bracket is 30, 40, 50%, then it's a fucking deal to have a long-term capital gains rate of 25%, okay? Well, right now in legislation, it looks like there's gonna be a look back, back to April, that long-term capital gains for people over a certain income will be at the full tax rate. Mm. Full tax rate being whatever it is. So it, whether it's 44 or 45 or 48 plus whatever your state tax is, you could be paying literally 50 cents on the dollar for long-term capital gains, okay? So if I'm an investor that doesn't need the return, the money to pay my bills, then it's not a bad idea for me to put money away that's that I, in a company I'm going to believe in right. that's going to grow for me that in five or seven years I might hit a big payday that right. I, well, not might, I should hit a big, or I wouldn't invest in it, right. hit a big payday, but I've got a couple more years to go by before I hit the ticket and pay capital gains. So I don't care about the cash flow. I don't want to pay real income tax. I'm hoping that the next president goes back and repeals, and by the way, this isn't a political statement, but sure. as a rich person, I believe like you should have decreased capital gains. It encourages investment, which encourages industry, which encourages job creation. All those things are good things to pay for all the bullshit out there. Um, and all the good things too, but all the bullshit that comes with it. Mm -hmm. So if I can put money away and defer it for five years for hopefully another president, don't care what side, to get back to a back, normal yeah. way of, of taxing long-term capital gains, that'd be a great reason to not care about getting the return annually. Does that make sense? Yes, it absolutely does make sense. And so I think the asterisk too is you also have to be willing to lose it all as well in yeah, this situation. So, well, so, so you're now asking from a p perspective of being the investor. Being the investor. Right. So – I know this is geared towards you're the starting to own it. It is. It, right. it is. And it's so more if of a you money. Are, right. Be really clear. If you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you are starting a company and or you are investing in a startup company, do not stroke a check you are unwilling to lose all of. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Kay. Separate of the hours. Separate of the heartache. Separate of the sleepless nights. Right. And that is the buyer beware. But I got to tell you the flip side. The flip side is when you create something that lasts and that you're proud of yeah, and money comes with it, which is a great response also. Yeah. Um, that's why entrepreneurs stay in the game. Yeah. But there's very few entrepreneurs ever. They didn't lose a lot before they hit it. Yeah. Like they tried and they lost. They tried and they lost. They tried and they failed. They tried and they failed. And then they finally hit the big one. And so, but they were all willing to take the risk and with the risk comes a reward. Comes and reward, sure. people that are listening, 60% of this world is steady Eddie and safety is, is key. So it, this doesn't apply to you. But um, again, going back to, if you're thinking about it, this is something to consider. Absolutely. Don't stroke a check that you're not willing to risk. 
Um, I'm going to do a, de- I'm going to defer, I'm going to not defer, I'm going to go down a tangent here. Okay. Because I think it's very worth talking about. So I'm going to speak to all of you out there that have gambled already and you've won. You're already winning. You're already ahead. You're already <laughs> doing something the right way, whether you're in Oh, I thought you were talking about like actually like you no, gambled you before and you won. No, you, like you, you like meaning, yes. yeah, like uh, my, you started a company. $400 hand. <laughs> right. No, I mean like you, you, yeah, you've, you've started a company and you're near five. Maybe you're not blowing the socks off everybody, yeah. but you are in business still, which is a win by itself. Which Maybe is a win by you're itself in commission, whatever, yeah. and you're still able to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. So you're winning. Um, one thing that's there's a book and I'm gonna reference it because my buddy Jordan Monroe. So I'd be like talking about talking about my buddy Jordan. Jordan, hey Jordan. Um, <laughs> so Jordan uh, sent me a book through Audible, which I'm looking up real fast in my little queue. Oh, is it in your queue? That, yeah, because I'm re- I've listened to is it once. It? I'm listening to it a second time right now. Oh, you like that? You like how he asterisked that? <laughs> uh, you can see it. I'm already listening to it. Do you know why we're Do you know why we're laughing at you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> because you <laughs> because you asked if I f- made me feel like a shitty reader when oh I have cue. stuff in my queue. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I don't have cues. I'm just listening. I'm just re- listening. I'm listening to it again. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> funny. So the rest of the world will w- wonder why they're laughing because it's if stupid. He remembers if he called me a I shitty do actually. reader. <laughs> you are a shitty reader. But uh, the book is called The Comfort <laughs> Crisis by Michael Easter. <laughs> Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. So. Here's what the concept <laughs> is. So I want to <laughs> kind of rewind the clock. So, um, and Brittany, actually, you'd really enjoy this book. You mm-hmm. really would. Yeah, it's probably in my queue. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's like behind number 77. <laughs> so what the comfort crisis is about, so I want you to think about it. So I'm a business owner a couple times over, right? Day one, minute one, I'm 22 years old, and I decide to go be a commissioned 100% loan officer, right? Um, I had nothing to lose. So I was willing to do anything. Yeah. Like from a risk tolerance perspective. Yes. Why don't I try buying leads? Why don't I try investing in this? Why, why don't, don't I, I try do talking to the gas station line? Why d- why wouldn't I call in the number one loan officer yeah. or realtor in, in Texas? Like there's nothing I wouldn't do because yeah. the worst case scenario is it's no and I had nothing to lose, right? Nothing like lose. if I go out of business, I'll just go do something else. I'll go I'll go mow lawns for a living, right? Yeah. Like I had nothing to lose. Well, that spirit that got me off the ground and has gotten me really far in my life, at some point, I had something to lose. Mm-hmm. So that number is different for everybody. Right. Uh, salary, commissioned, owner, or otherwise, there becomes a point where we hit, a, a, it's like, holy shit. Like, if I lose this, I lose it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, losing a thousand dollars was not a big deal if I only if that's all I had to lose. Do if you I remember lost all having like that actual thought, or do you think it's more subconscious in the way that you subconscious? Start to okay, because you start to recognize all of a sudden your bank account's building. Uh, yeah. On top of that, you got families that are growing, so now I'm responsible for not just me. And like, like I can eat ramen. Uh, right. I'll be damned if my kids eat ramen every night. Right. Right. Like there's a different and there's thought process. there's kind of like a baseline that you're just not willing to go under because if you go under that, now you're starting to risk your family's yeah. safety and protection and Absolutely. all of that. Absolutely. And okay. so, so my point here for everybody is that the risk is highest the youngest we are. That's why I really truly believe 30-year-olds rule the ro- world. Mm-hmm. The reason why 30-year-olds rule the world is because – 
they've not been uh um they still dream like the world's an oyster right they still think mm-hmm. they're invincible uh, w- with their levels of testosterone and estrogen yeah. that 50-year-olds just don't have. Yeah. But on top of that, they haven't been jaded yet by enough knockdowns in their lives. Right. So, And they have nothing to lose. So let me finish this thought process. The thought then becomes, okay, so subconsciously or otherwise, we stop taking the risks that was totally fine mm-hmm. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. So interesting. And so we started to become complacent, comfortable. That's what's called a comfort crisis. Mm-hmm. And what the book talks about is you've got to put yourself constantly into uncomfortable situations. Yeah. So Jordan recognized, because Jordan's one of my best friends in the world. So Jordan, I love you. <laughs> um, bromance. In a bromance kind of way. <laughs> and uh, Jordan sent me, asked me to read this book. And so within about two weeks, and so now you're going to laugh looking back on it, you'll understand why. Within two weeks, I did two things. Number one is I signed up for a physically uh, demanding, super uncomfortable um, rim to rim to rim for the Grand Canyon. And oh normally God. it's done in three years. I'm going to try and do it in a day. And I do it <laughs> in September. And that's three years. It's usually a three-day trip. A three-day trip. Okay. Yep. It's usually a three-day trip. Like if you Google it, it's a three-day trip. Okay. You usually hike down the bottom. And what's wrong with doing it in three days? Um, <laughs> because that'd be camping, and I'm looking for being uncomfortable. That's all. I think getting there would be uncomfortable, right? Um, like uh, the art of like. Well, the preparation for sucks. This? Well, the <laughs> my, I'll tell you this much: my daily routine with my my personal trainer is night and day. Right. Like our intensity level. Are <laughs> like never missing anything ever. So All that's, that's not enough. <laughs> but my point is, is that that Just happened within, to be clear. right within two weeks. I was like, okay, I'm gonna sign up for this to be super uncomfortable uh-huh. physically, and believe it or not, the biggest investment of my life, I agreed to, within two weeks as well. And I'll tell you about this because this is this development deal we've talked about a few times in a few episodes. Okay, so uh, I know mentally, like intellectually i can afford the investment mm-hmm. i could literally like i n- i know I, I use my own attorney mm-hmm. i know i'm protected it's going to be okay i will make either a uh i'll either get my money back or i'll absolutely like literally hit a field goal from 100 yards like it's one of the i'll get my money back worst case scenario or i'll crush it okay um, that's a good so place to intellectually start. it's like of course you do that if yeah. i describe that investment to you of course you do uh, it yeah Yet, I've never asked my wife permission to ever do an investment ever. Oh, wow. Because she trusts me in yeah, what I do. of course. And last Monday, I, r- I sent the biggest wire of my life. Okay? And this is when I knew I was uncomfortable. So, in the morning of sending the wire, I, yeah, called, I called Christy <laughs> three times. No, I called her three times. I said, hey, I just want to let you know it's a big number. This is what I'm wiring. Are you okay with it? Yeah, I trust you. Like two hours later, I'm driving. I was I like, need for you to "Hey, know. Uh, like, am I missing anything? Is this? Am, am I being stupid? Is do? You, is there any like red flags that you've seen? No, babe. Like, I trust you. Oh I'm literally at the bank. I'm signing paperwork <laughs> for the wire. Call Chris. Is like, I just want to let you know the wire's about to go out. And, and she said, <laughs> "Josh, the fact that you've called me three times is what's concerning. Not yes, the fact that you're doing the deal. The you're smart. Right. You can figure it out, right? And that is what the book talks about, which is." At my net worth level, doing a $5,000 investment in a stock 
is a waste of time because it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't move the needle, yeah. And so when you think about what we were willing to do right. at the beginning, yeah. slows down risk avert, you know, we're, 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 aversion of risk yeah. happens. It's about staying in that uncomfortable uh, state of mind, which will promote that growth. And when you think about like uh, Elon Musk that everyone's aware of, right? One of my favorite things I've ever heard ever of anyone ever that, like I don't really respect Elon uh, as a, I shouldn't say that's the wrong word. I never looked up, that's a better word. I never looked up Elon as a human, right? But where I respect Elon is as a visionary and totally. where I even, where I like began to honor Elon Musk is based on what he said. And I want to tell you what he said. So he became for a moment the richest man in the world here in 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And he didn't even know why, because he didn't give a fuck. Right. It's not right? because yeah, he's, he's going to put, that's not the goal. That's like, the, that's he's, not he's his gonna, goal. He's going to, he's an intergalactic, uh, planetary, planetary <laughs> right. That, like that's who he is. And so a news person confronted him and said, hey, how does it feel like to be the richest man in the world? He said, what? He said, yeah, you're now worth more than Bill Gates, and here's your net worth, according to blah, blah, blah. He said, I am? He said, yeah, what are you going to do? He said, well, shoot, I better get back to work. Get to work. Right? Like, <laughs> I that's love a it. different mentality. That, that guy yes. is stays growing, grinding, dreaming totally. big, regardless of his income, regardless of his net worth. I think that's a really great thing to think about when you're doing when you're building a business. Yeah. Like, how do you stay in that massive growth mindset? Yeah. Which I faltered in in years past, and I'm back into like, let's think a little bigger. Well, because um, it takes more than just being ambitious, right? Like, like we just finished talking about, you really have to overcome some of the obstacles of. Uh, what you go through as you build more, what you go through as you have more to lose. And those things are, those are, they're, first Mid of all, they're taxing. real, but, it, but they're real. You know, yeah. it's like, it's not just that you're getting complacent or that, you know, you lose your drive as a human. It's that you're really, you're really worried about and trying to protect things that are super important to you. Which, and sense. which makes sense, right? Yep. So that's why it makes it even more interesting to continue, yep. you know, fighting through some of those things and making sure that y you pick what's worth it. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's um, so much fear is around money. And we've talked yes. about that so much in the first yes. in the first season, like the whole. I think we said every other episode talked about emotions of money. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so this step that we want to move move past here in a second is. When I say understand your finances, you got to understand what's at stake. You got to understand what is needed. You got to prepare for worst case scenarios. You've got to understand where you hit profitability, how many months it's going to take. Mm -hmm. What are the carrying costs? What is the, uh, the, the startup costs plus 20%? What is the cost of using a bank? What is the cost of giving up partnership? Yeah. Right? Like giving up 20% of a $10,000 company, not a big fucking deal. Right. But that $20,000 company that turns into 2 billion, big fucking deal. So what are you giving up for what money you're, you're receiving? Like there's a lot of, of things that you have to consider when I say understand the finances. This is where whether you like budgeting or not, budget. Whether you like profit and loss or not, learn it. Whether mm -hmm. If you don't want to do either, hire a bookkeeper or a CPA to educate you. 
especially when you're starting a business, get that done early and often and make sure that you trust the source. Like get references. Don't go for what's cheapest. Go for what's yeah. best. Uh, I, I'm telling you, the bigger your company becomes, the rounding errors by a CPA or a yeah. bookkeeper are super expensive. So I coach uh, a lot of local people, a lot of realtors locally, a, couple, a lot of people nationally in their finances. And there's this, this uh, woman that I love and adore who's a business partner of mine who l- allows me to look at her profit and loss every single month. And she'd never had before. She's been a hugely successful realtor for the plaques for years. Like yeah. always hit big volume, big volume, big yeah. volume. Uh, before I coached her, didn't realize that marginal profit, marginal profit, marginal profit. And so we've been working on it. She's become massively profitable, uh, more efficient, uh, cut some expenses, doing more volume, absolutely crushing it. And, uh, and it turned in her, her P&L to me last month. And when I got the P&L, I looked at it. And because I look at it every month, it's taking me three minutes. I said, something's wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it because I'd looked at it for three minutes. I just called her up. I said, something's wrong here. I said, your, your volume and units went up by 40%, but you're making the same amount of money. I'm telling you something's wrong. Something's inaccurate. So she called up her bookkeeper, said, rerun the numbers, and oops, carried forward a couple numbers from the previous month, Uh-oh. left 40% profitability on the table. Oh, no. If she had just gone by that, she would have underpaid her taxes, and she would oh have no. a tax bill in the future that she wasn't expecting. If they ever caught it, if she got audited, it had been even worse uh, because of penalties that go with it. Bottom line was is that there's a difference between getting somebody to hand you the numbers versus understanding the numbers. Yeah. So even when you have a CPA or bookkeeper or a CFO that does the money for you, you, you need to it. learn it. You yeah. are a business person. Learn business acumen, mm-hmm. right? So let's move on to the next step. Okay. Uh, because this ties right in the next thing, which is understand your tax implications. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like making money is great. Paying taxes not great, but necessary. Yeah. Required. <laughs> right? Mandatory. Uh, mandatory. Well, shit. Uh, I do believe in being generous as a human, and there's plenty of people that don't have, and we take care of them. I believe in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also doesn't mean that give away too much money because you didn't write off what you should have written off, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but there are certainly things like state, federal, and regional taxes. There are licensing agreements. Mm-hmm. There are, um, uh, what's another example of a taxation um, cost of business? Uh, a franchise, uh, franchise payments monthly. So you got to understand when it is, what the frequency is. Um, lots of people that come from a salary job never think about it because uh, you taxes come out before the paycheck hits the bank. 100%, right? yeah. So understand that when you're a LLC or an LP, that usually it becomes a quarterly requirement. Mm. So now you're stroking a check that wasn't withheld. So do you know what the liability is? Did you set that money aside? Are you prepared to set that money? So if you have $10,000 that hits your account in receivables, profit, 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 profit. I'm saying I said receivables, but profit. Mm -hmm. Like, did you say, fuck yeah, 10,000 bucks to the Sigmund bank account. Let's go spin it. Or do you think, well, my CPA said that uh, 44% of this goes to federal taxes right. and uh, there's no state tax in Texas. So come on here. We're, we're a fun state. <laughs> and, uh, so I need to set 4,400 bucks into a separate account every month for the next three months. So I'm setting 15 grand to, mm. t- to, uh, federal taxes on a quarterly basis. 
Facebook like CPA tells me, if you under, don't understand what the tax implication and liabilities are, then you could have a great idea, a great business, a profitable business that goes out of business because, of because the IRS will get your ass. Yeah. They'll get your ass. Yeah. So don't skip that step of understanding what are the tax implications yeah, associated you gotta, really got to know. Like, you really got to, yeah. Which comes down to a one-hour, $100 conversation with the CPA. You'll get a good idea. To tell a you exactly what to do. A one-hour, $100 conversation. I love that you're, like, quantifying that because all I'm hearing is, Thousands I'm out. Of dollars. Uh, uh, I'm hearing, I'm out. <laughs> a one-hour, so, $100 conversation so with the CPA. Will tell you what your liabilities are. So, is there like a thing where you could just sell your good ideas to people for like lots of money? <laughs> Isn't that, that how unique it is? Sure, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Who do you sell them to? Like investors? Well, you better go back to the research piece <laughs> and understand what your target market is. Yeah, I was really good from points one, one and through two. three. <laughs> oh, it's one and two and three and three. And then four and five are like, fuck this shit. I'm, I'm like, out. I'm out. Peace. Which goes back to, I love that we're talking about this because this is honesty, right? Yeah, like, for sure. You're an idea person. You're creative. Uh, yeah, you absolutely. have things all the time. And it's interesting, like, well, as, as we keep working through this, maybe we will open a company again. You never know. Never know. Um, but this is where I start to it's, like. It's super interesting. Like, it's like snooze fest. And, and what's really funny is, like, I, I always figure, okay, idea I'm good with, strategy I'm good with, research, have somebody else give me a report on it. Finances, I'm in. You're in. Uh, professional conversations, I'm in. Yeah. Like, and then the next couple of steps, we'll hand off somebody else again. It's funny, the yin and yang. That's why we've worked it together is, so well for ten years. It is very interesting. Which I think too, when you're looking at, you know, a partnership or an investor or whatever, and maybe I'm wrong, but you know, this is what you kind of look for, right? Like, you want somebody that has absolutely your opposites. Oh, dude. Uh, I, I went to a class years ago and I remember them saying, you know, the whole idea of like too many, uh, too many chiefs, no Indians, Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to say anymore. Are we allowed to say that anymore? <laughs> no, I don't idea. think so. <laughs> too many captains, no, not enough. not enough, not enough sailors. Yeah. Too many captains, sure. no sailors. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, by the way, my wife is part of the tribe, so we're all good here. Uh, um, Cherokee Indian. I, I just never, I wish he had like, uh, I, I wish we were more involved in that, but regardless, too many captains, not enough That's sailors, sailors <laughs> right? So when we go down this road then, after tax implications, the next thing, and, and probably the last, like, put your brakes on thing. Like, this is the last, okay. like, like, scary Brace to death, yourself. stop you, right? It's just the finality of what's at stake. What is, what am I risking? Yes. Like, what is the real risk here? Okay. So let me give you some examples of things that people think about, but aren't prepared for. Um, you got a friend of mine that opened a roofing company. Seems pretty damn straightforward. Yeah. Right. Uh, as most do. As most do. Right. It's like, if it's you have, if you have somebody who can swing a hammer, and you can afford to to buy the shingles. Well, not just roofing companies. I think you know, even going back Anything. to the batting cage example, it's like seems straightforward enough. Like, yeah. it's a warehouse. Right up until somebody gets hit in the head with a baseball. Right, and, and that dies. yes, and that actually crossed my mind when we were talking about the um, the risks and what kind of like coverage and stuff you need. It's like, yep, yeah. It turns out they're flying seventy mile an hour baseballs. 
kill people in, in small spaces. <laughs> Swinging baseball like baseball bats. Baseball bats by children. Yes, they're not smart. They just hit people. They right. Correct. So when you when you when I say this for real, it's like really assess what the real risk is, and it's almost never what you think it is. It's always way more. Ugh. Right. Yeah. So think triple damages. Mm-hmm. Think insurance, think liabilities. Like I'm an investor in real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to carry a couple million dollar policy um, for not only errors om- uh, and omissions, but also for uh, an umbrella policy because God forbid somebody stubs their toe in my house and sues me, That's right? Sad. So yeah. it's not as simple as make money on, you know, my, here's my mortgage, here's my rent income. Right. You know, somebody could still trip and fall down the stairs and die, and then somebody's litigious in this society and sues me. Right. So I've got to understand what that risk is and am I willing to accept it. More importantly, not just understand the risk, but how can you hedge against it? Is it possible to remove all risks? No. No. If you own a bar, somebody can be overserved, drive home, and die. It, yes. If you own a business, somebody could drive your company car and be drunk and kill somebody right. whose family sues the company because it was a company car. Right. So you can go down the line and say, just assume worst case scenario for a moment right. with a professional to think like? through what else is wrong. The other thing that's really out there that you got to consider is whose nuts are on the line, proverbially, when it comes to the finances. Yeah. So um, Dan and I were... Uh, so uh, let me I'm back up. So Dan and I were partners with a different group of people uh, 10 years ago. Okay. And it was all great. Our company was from literally growing from uh, $100 million of loan volume to $700 million in loan volume. Mm-hmm. So in mortgage world, that's small. It's not a big business. And so as a result, the banks that were funding our loans made us all have a personal guarantee guarantee on those loans. So we're signing off saying that, hey, don't worry. If we can't sell this loan, we'll pay for it, right? Well, uh, you know, like I said, 70 million to 700 million is a small mortgage company. It's huge for an individual. So literally for that whole time where we were building that mortgage company early on, and Dan took the majority of the risk, it was not me, but the bottom line was is that if at any point during the mortgage market meltdown or any other reason a, 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 a employee rightfully and correctly sued and won a employee lawsuit, a client correctly and accurately sued a loan officer that worked for us that we didn't yeah. know was committing fraud, they committed fraud, could they have like at any point that could have been a buyback scenario yeah. where we were personally guaranteeing with our net worth, yes. the loan times thousands, right? right so right. what's really at risk? Uh, everything, everything, if it's a personal line. So this is where you get into, is this a limited credit line? Yeah. Is this a, uh, uh, when you have limited liability partnerships, are you limited to your personal investment? Mm-hmm. Or are past that, are you, are you, are you going to have a cash call? Like you're putting money in right now. A lot of people will invest money in companies thinking, here's 50 grand or 500,000. And if it works great, if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Not understanding that if there's a cash call to keep their ownership, they're participating at that 1% ownership or that 50% ownership, depending on what it is, right? 
So when you go down the uh, what's at risk, when you think about what insurances can I purchase to mitigate the risk, what investors can I bring in that will put their name on the line to keep my family's name off the line, Okay. Um, those are things you think about. And so who is the best person to advise you on that? Is that going to be your attorney? Attorneys again. Okay. Attorneys again. Always okay. attorneys in this case. And what kind of an attorney are you looking for? Are you looking there for There are contract attorneys. Uh, that you're, uh, there's straight business attorneys. Um, the truth is, is you never want to go, when, when you're getting into a risk assessment, typically defense attorney <laughs> attorneys, uh, have been up against it all. Yeah. Um, corporate attorneys, for sure, for corporations. So maybe if you know an attorney, m- maybe ask them for referrals on who would be the best for yeah, what you're if trying you know, to. Yeah, if you know or you don't know, you call an attorney's office if you don't have one in your area and mm-hmm. say, I'm about to build a company. Yeah. I want to know what risks are at stake. I need to talk to an attorney. And you talk to him and say, I'm worried about my risks. Who do you, can you refer me to? And you get to a point where you try to get two or three people to give the same name, and all of a sudden you're fine. Like, I feel very confident my, with my will and trust attorney, just as a shout out to Gina Gadke. Yeah. Um, the reason I feel very comfortable with Gina Gadke is two separate financial planners, one CPA that I work with, and two insurance agents individually all referenced her for the best will and trust attorney in San Antonio. That's awesome. So and she was I fabulous. She did oh, ours. You used her too. Yeah, right. for sure. But that's, that's the point is um, don't sidestep, take the easy step, fail to research, don't ask questions. Yeah. You know, first person you talk to, you go with, like, this is an area that's really important to understand is, mm-hmm. what do I really have at stake? Like, I'll give you just an example that with real estate that's so interesting uh, in why I do what I do I- in Texas. And I'm specific to Texas rental property real estate. So just, you know, if you're a different state, you know, mm-hmm. keep in mind lo- local jurisdictions matter. Mm-hmm. So, um, in Texas, I was asking my insurance agent, my attorney, what's better? Should you have a limited liability partnership uh, on my rental properties? Uh, should I have an insurance company or whatever? And what's interesting is I had four separate people tell me, dude, get the biggest, fattest um, umbrella policy you possibly can. I said, why? They said, look, it's dollar for do- dollar the t- cheapest, right? So you can get a couple million bucks of umbrella policy mm-hmm. for literally less than a thousand bucks in Texas. And the whole idea is that if somebody sues you for stubbing their toe, falling down the stairs or whatever in your, in your rental property, um, that the insurance company has way better and more valuable and expensive attorneys than you can afford. Okay. And so unless you do a gross negligence, commit fraud, like literally your inspector calls you and says, hey, dude, your fire uh, – um, alarms are not working replace them you're like fuck it i want to save 20 bucks and then it burns down and kills somebody like that's what's about what gross negligence is so just fix the damn fire like when people tell you to fix stuff fix it then the reality is is that you're above reproach like you're doing what's supposed to be done and and you have a property manager that's living up to what they're supposed to do and you're inspecting and fixing and all that stuff then home uh home renter litigious member of society can sue all they want but they gotta go through three or five million dollars yeah. of losses from an insurance company that's gonna fight like hell yeah. before, before they can ever touch my okay. assets right okay. all right so gross negligence is just like here's an idea 
mm-hmm. like yeah. just fix shit that they tell me to fix, right? Yep. So it, uh, that's an idea of what's the risk, what's possible, what could you really lose, and then just decide what's the best way to hedge against it. Yeah. So let me ask you this as like kind of a final wrap up question. So if you are going to <laughs> your face, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm laughing because he just flipped over his paper and he has four more bullet points. So we'll, well definitely remember be when you said you have about three more. And I said, oh, three to eight. Oh, that's right. Three to eight. Yes. Okay. That's why. Um, <clears throat> so we'll definitely get to those. In the <laughs> I love to catch you off guard. This makes me really happy. In the next episodes. But let me ask you this question. So where we are this far. Um, I think it's thus far. Thus far. Th- I feel like that's so fancy. And it would, be, it would be one of those words that I would like try to use, but then misuse it and sound like it's an idiot. Volleyball mothers <laughs> use <laughs> thus volleyball mothers, the bougie, the, the bougie volleyball mothers while they're picking out their panty shorts. <laughs> don't even say that ever again. You're not allowed to say panty in your life. I don't want to hear it. It is pretty much a again. terrible word. You're digressing. Okay. So the question is, the question is, if I'm a uh, entrepreneur looking for investors, is it going to impress an investor more if I have gone through these oh, six I love that. bullet points? Love that question. Um, there's no doubt, 100%, if you can address, here's the research I've got, here's the field we're playing in, Kay. here's the need that we're solving, here's what clients want. Here's where we fill the need. Here's my here's what our strategy. Here's what our competitors charge. Yeah. Here's the players in the industry. Here's how here's we can compete against them. Uh, here's the purpose and why it's different. Here's the vision. Here's the strategy to be profitable in a certain period of time. Uh, here's, here's the, the attorney. And partnership here's I'm the partnership for. that we're looking for. Here's the CPAs who's got these references that you can talk to. Here's the potential risk. You could lose all your money. Here's the ways we could lose our money. Here's the potential gains. For sure. They're going to be like. If you pitch me that way, 90% better chance of winning. Okay. Then. Because hey, it I removes. Wanna, let's, go ahead, let's go ahead and start a lawn mowing company. Yeah. Let's right? do it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not interested. Not interested. Right. So, because it basically makes it even easier for them to say yes, because now you're removing all the extra work that they're going to have to do. Right. In putting together the team and the attorneys and double checking and double checking. I'm assuming most investors are still going to want to lay eyes on a certain couple of things. Maybe have some questions, yep. maybe even have their own attorneys look at things. But, oh, my gosh, you're handing them a Silver package. Well, with go a look at uh, go watch Shark Tank a few times. Like, yes, it's oh sensationalized. I it's love cer- Shark Tank. It's certainly sensationalized. Me and Weston love Shark Tank. But the questions <laughs> that they ask yes. explain why they're billionaires it does yeah like it does they come people come in with the most unbelievable presentations and yes. they get shot down and the reason why they're shot down you understand it's like oh, it makes sense it makes sense oh wait you've been selling this product for six years and you've never made a dollar ever right okay right. why would i invest in that or it's so expensive to make and you cannot sell it the market does not support what you must sell it for exactly right to make even a little bit of a profit yep I love it. really what I think Shark Tank does a great job of is honing in on the financial stuff. Like they want to know like return on investment. Right. And like what's yeah, it's 
me and Weston love that show. We love that show. It's so Weston really Weston loves it, and well, he loves to research all the sharks and figure out what their net worth is and that's <laughs> funny. everything about it. They're not doing bad. No. They're not doing bad. Correct. So we're gonna wrap up this episode of Sigmund Sense. Yes. Like, subscribe, this please share. Fun. I hope this was helpful. Share it, share it. You know, I think you know, I think there's a little bit of all of us that have an entrepreneurial spirit. Because you're Americans. Yes, and because there's things that we love and there's things that we participate in that we believe could be better. And when you're really passionate about something and involved in something and you see a need and a way to make it better, it kind of sparks that interest. Absolutely. And so, you know, if, again, if it's something that could grow legs and be great, listen to this episode, right? Yep. So fun. And I got to tell you, I, I've got my first PS I've ever had ever of an episode. You ready? Just pay attention. PS, intellectual property matters. So, yes. Th- uh, we didn't talk about patents, yeah. copyright, protect the idea yeah. before you start pitching it. I uh, get the website. That is such a great I point. did. I did not say that out loud because I, I don't, you know, you started talking. I was like, holy shit. There's yeah. so many of you listening. Have a fabulous idea. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny to me how many people are like, you know, call them bar games. You know, you're having a few drinks talking. Yeah. You have like the best idea ever. Yeah. First thing you should do. Remember go the song go we to wrote? Yeah. Remember the song we, we wrote we while forgot, we were drinking? We sent to Corey. Um, <laughs> but you go to, go to GoDaddy and go buy the website. Yeah, they're like 99 cents. I mean, it's so easy. If it's not bought already. If it's not purchased, it's super absolutely. Value, but, yeah. But go buy the website. Go get go get a copyright. Uh, go get a patent if it's if it's a widget or something that can be patented. Yeah. But that's the P.S. of this episode. That if Great it's something point. like that, go copyright or patent. Like get that intellectual yeah. property protected before you start pitching, because people will steal your shit. Yeah. But yes, uh, I didn't mean to digress there. But no, that's perfect. That's super perfect. Super important. So next episode, we'll finish our t- our uh, we have four more bullet points. Um, yep. So stay tuned for that. If you want to ask us questions, if you want to tell us more about your experiences, comment, tell us we are great. Tell us we suck. We love all of that, believe it or not. Um, and you can do that at sigmundsense at gmail.com and also follow us on all of our social channels. Um, and thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you on Sigmund Sense. Bye, guys. Cheers.